your board of directors in fundraising. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjukevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Gasby Brown. Gasby is a nationally sought after consultant on fundraising and nonprofit leadership, and she's a veteran member of our faculty at the fundraising school. And Gasby, so great to have you back with us here on the podcast from the fundraising school. It's my pleasure, Bill. Gasby also is the author of Engaging the Board for Fundraising. That's chapter 20 in Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition that came out in 2022. And Gasby, before we get into some of the particulars about the chapter, why is it important for board members to donate and fundraise for the nonprofit organization? As the volunteer leaders of the organization, if they don't give, why should other people from the outside give? I mean, it's really a pretty simple formula. If the board is investing in the mission and the purpose of the organization, then that gives the organization the right to ask others. Now, you know, as you teach for the fundraising school, and this comes up when I teach as well, uh, the fundraisers tell us some of their board members will say, well, look, I'm already donating my time. I'm already donating my expertise. I'm already donating my contact list. Why do I also need to donate financial resources and also think about other prospective donors? What advice and guidance do you give to fundraisers when they hear that from some of their board members? Yes, I hear this often in teaching and also just in talking to uh, leaders in the nonprofit sector and their staff. And they are very concerned about the fact that some of the board members are not giving personally. And once again, getting back to the investment, if you are investing in the organization as a board member, as the top leader of the organization on a volunteer basis, then you are showing the rest of the world that this is a worthy cause. Now, I just want to add a caveat there that not every board member is going to go out and ask. And that is the other part of the fear. Giving is one thing, asking is another. And there are other ways to get the board engaged in that process. And what are some of those ways that board members can be engaged with fundraising if they're still hesitant to be involved with making the ask? Thank you notes are really, really big. Uh, just being able on the personal stationery of the board member to write a note thanking the donor for their gift. That is so exponentially important to the donor. You'd be surprised, I think a number of people would be surprised at the uh, gravity and the, the appreciation that is shown when something like that is done. Also, once again, as you mentioned, uh, giving the uh, content for other uh, people to be asked this is in using their connections and their networks to make sure that others are part of this because I, I refer to the five W's bill uh, building and in building a board, uh, wealth, wisdom, woo, <laughs> uh, work. And then the fifth one is wow. So wealth is, is uh, very uh, evident, but wisdom, choosing those board members that uh, have been around the the rodeo, so to speak, a couple of times and have nonprofit board experience. And then uh, the ones that can woo, wooing others to be a part of the organization and giving, and then work, working on those subcommittees that are so important. And then finally, wow, wow is the passion that each board member should have. Love those five W's, Gasby. And when we've discussed previously, we've also talked about the importance of diversity on our boards of directors, including diversity amongst economic class. So help us understand the wealth W uh, when we think about making sure we also have economic diversity on our board of directors. 
Well, some organizations are required to have uh, some of their constituents and they're doing constituency work with underserved communities. They are required to have a number of people like that on the board. And that is so important because they're giving the real life experience of what is needed. And how do you know what your purpose, how your purpose is being uh, satisfied, your mission and your vision, if you're not getting input and hearing from those people on the ground, you've got to hear. So again, we want to make sure that uh, all those voices are, are being represented and, and Gatsby diversity in, in all of its forms, right? In terms of race, in terms of gender, it could be geography, it could be profession. How important is it to be mindful of diversity when recruiting to our boards of directors? There was a study done that said that if you make a decision with people who are just like you, you're likely to be right 55% of the time. But when you include others, you're likely to be uh, correct 75 to 80% of the time. I like that percentage, and I think most people would. And getting other people who are not exactly like you to give their input and perspective on various issues facing uh, the mission, the purpose of the organization, it's just so important for the organization to be sound and relevant. The best way to make a well-informed decision is to be well-informed. And the best way to be well-informed is to gather information from the widest variety of perspectives and sources as possible. And of course, diversity is just morally the right thing to do, but it also has that nice practical benefit of helping our board make well-informed decisions and having outreach to the broadest range of folks in our community. Gasby, one thing I love about your chapter, in addition to these good overarching themes and messages, uh, you provide readers with practical tools and practical steps they can take, including the intentionality that's necessary around recruitment. There's an eight-step process that you describe in recruitment. We invite people to go to the chapter uh, to read about those eight steps. But can you speak broadly about that process? And again, that intentionality that's necessary to properly recruit the right people to our boards. Uh, one of my mentors in the chapter starts with this quote, uh, many nonprofits don't get the boards they need, they get the boards they deserve. And that's a, a seatbelt tightener right there. Uh, and that is because of the need for intentionality in recruitment in the first place. And we look at how you identify and qualify uh, various board members and, and really getting into strategy too. Even if you've identified a great board member does that mean that board member wants to join you? Well, answering that question is very important. Strategizing around who is best suited to uh, make the approach to the potential board member. And then after that, using that strategy for recruitment. And we also know the academic research shows that you know we, we have the five W's, aspects that we're looking for in our board members, but that each board member has to have passion for the cause. And you know, Gatsby, I know that almost sounds like, well, of course, that must be the case, but we can be so easily swayed by somebody's name, their reputation, their, their standing, their position at their company, their wealth, perhaps. Uh, how important is it, again, that we ensure and how can we ensure uh, that a prospective board member has passion for the cause of our nonprofit organization? Well, this is part of the recruitment and vetting process. There should be interviews uh, with and, and meetings with the prospective uh, board member to make sure that there is alignment. That is just so important. If there's not alignment with the passion and in avoiding that pitfall, just because it is a big name, having that on the letterhead is your board member. But if that board member is not going to be involved, it can be a fatal flaw to the effectiveness of the overall board. 
You have one board member that's uh, there with a big name, but never coming to the board meetings. How does that optic really look? And what effect does it have on the overall morale of the board? And so we were very intentional about who we recruit to the board, an eight-step retention process that Gatsby lays out in the chapter. And we're not done. Oh, no, no, we're not done. There's also an eight-step process for retention. Gatsby, why did you include that? Because, well, if I have the right people on the board, isn't my work done? And, and you described, no, we're not, that we need to be very intentional about retaining good board members as well. Can you help us understand that, please? There's a book that I, I love called Not On This Board, You Don't by Arthur Fransrup. And Arthur Fransrup says that boards should be constantly honed and fine-tuned. And that is uh, really, it's a, it's a straight, uh, uh, well, it's a straight line to retention. And uh, I got caught up in, in Arthur Fransrup for a moment, but uh, it is a straight line to retention. Retention is so important because board members who are not engaged, we're going back to engagement now. If they are not engaged, why? And this is where you come to this committee on trustees or your nominating committee or governance committee that whose responsibility is to not only recruit board members, but to make sure that they're engaged. What kind of training is needed for board members? And on, more importantly, and in the chapter, we talk about onboarding, the importance of it and how you can have various steps to make this successful. Gasby, as I ask you to conclude with me some final words of advice for fundraisers and nonprofit leaders as they think about their boards of directors and fundraising, we know that boards have the ultimate legal authority over the nonprofit organization. A nonprofit has board members before they have staff members. You can have a nonprofit with a board and no staff, in fact. Uh, and yet we also think that when we do have staff and we know that when we do have staff, the staff are with us full time. The staff are doing this every single day. The board members are just volunteers. So if a board is underperforming, uh, perhaps the first place we need to look is with the staff to make sure that we are recruiting properly, providing the right orientation. You mentioned board training, all of those different steps. So as fundraisers, as nonprofit leaders, just what overall advice do you have for us when we think about engaging our boards with fundraising? I think level setting on expectations is really, really important. In so many instances, board members are asked to join a board with the assumption that they know how to be a board member. And at the same time, that prospective board member is saying, I know you're gonna tell me what I need to do. When neither of those things happen, then you get buyer's remorse and we don't want that. So once again, the intentionality and, and choosing board members, the intentionality of onboarding uh, properly, the board members, ongoing training, why is it that we would expect a board member to automatically understand diversity and inclusion and equity? That kind of training needs to take place because it needs to start there at the board level. If the board is not diverse, then how can you expect the rest of the organization to be so? So it's those kinds of intentional things that the chapter points out very, very uh, clearly. Uh, there are templates within the chapter that uh, nonprofits can use to make sure that they're on point. These are leading practices templates that uh, can be utilized. So I would just suggest more than anything, one, read the chapter, two, read the whole book, because it is uh, chock full of tremendous information that can help any nonprofit be successful. As we mentioned expectations, in fact, the research shows when we communicate expectations to our board at the time of recruitment and orientation, 
uh, those board members are 11 times more likely to donate and fundraise than if we don't communicate those expectations. Not a huge surprise. We want expectations in all areas of our lives. We need to be communicating those to our board members as well. And of course, this is the type of content that we include in our course at the Fundraising School on board engagement with fundraising. And here's what we do. First of all, we require a board member to attend, not just the staff, but we want a board member to be there as well. And that's why the course is only available online to make it easier for that board member to attend. And so check out the Fundraising School's course on board engagement with fundraising, available anywhere in the United States and around the world online, as are all of our public courses. Now, many of our public courses are also available in person across the continental United States. We have custom training. We can bring a public course just to your nonprofit. We can design a course for your nonprofit, your association, your region, whatever the case might be, around the world, and of course, right here in the United States. We have our quarterly webinars. We have our free podcasts, as well as a link to the textbook, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition. All of that on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. So grateful to have an opportunity to work today with my colleague, Gasby Brown. Our producers today are Dustin Donovan and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Sanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Thank you.